0: Chapter thirty two of the book of Bamidbar is the story of two tribes, Ruvain and God, who the Torah says have a lot of cattle. That's chapter 32, verse number one. Um, they had much cattle, vast number of cattle. Vayuat Eret Yazerviat Eretz Gilad, that the land which has already been captured, the land of Yazer and the land of Kilad, this was captured in the wars against Sichon and the war against Og, which the Torah described in this book in chapter 21. That was captured by all of Israel together who fought against these two kings. Sihon the king of Emori, Og the king of Bashan. So they possessed this land. So two tribes approached Moshe and say, well, they're thinking, they're about to say, we have a lot of cattle. This is a good land for cattle. And they come to Moshe and to Araza, the Kohen, and to the heads of the congregation, means the leaders of the tribes. And in verse number three, they say, These are all places on the other side of the Jordan that have already been captured. All of these places, The land that God has enabled us to take is a land of cattle. Good land for cattle. We have a lot of cattle. They don't ask directly to be given the land. Perhaps they're apprehensive. They understand that's not something that these people, the heads of the tribes and Moshe himself, who has been told earlier, that he will not be able to enter into the land, it's quite likely that Moshe will not be enthusiastic about people saying, we don't want to cross over to the other side. So they ask in a kind of oblique way, you know, it's a great land for cattle. We have a lot of cattle. Hoping that Moshe will say to them, you know, I have a good idea. Just stay here. But instead, there's a space in in the Torah. There's an empty space. And the next verse begins by Yomru. Once again, they speak. There was a response they had hoped for, but it's not forthcoming. And they say straight out, please let us possess this land, don't bring us across the Jordan. Now Moshe's answer is very striking, and we'll come to that in a second. But before we come to Moshe's response, it's interesting to note how the Torah describes what they have. They have Mekne'er Rav, they have a lot of Mekne'er. Terms that the Torah uses to describe what they have, two adjectives, are rabbi atzum, many powerful, many great. rabbi Yatzum is an expression that we have found, we see in the very beginning of the book of Exodus. Pharaoh says to his people in the beginning of Exodus the Pharaoh was about to persecute the Israelites. Am b'nai Yisrael Rabi Yatzum So Rav Yatsum is a term that we encounter in the story of the Exodus in chapter 1. We've also encountered it in this very book, in chapter 22, in the story of Balak, who in a sense wants to send us back to Mitzrayim, who wants to undo the Exodus. There also, he sees that Israel is Rav, and then the Torah used the word Yatsum. So that's an interesting use of these two attributes over here. And the suggestion is that Ruvain and God, and I think here the primary mover must be Ruvain, God is a fellow traveler in the desert with Ruvain. They travel in four groups of three. Each group has a leader, and the leader of Ruvain's group is Ruvain. Ruvain also is the firstborn. So in the Torah, it seems to be suggesting that there are two poles over here. There's Egypt on one side, egypt with its culture with its values with its lack of responsibility and there's the land that you can possess the land of the commandments the land where you are obligated and the point over here by using these two adjectives the suggestion is not just it's not just about the cattle it's that in some profound sense they can't make that jump they can't make that leap from being in the land of Mitzrayim without responsibility and going to the other side, going to the land where it's your land and you are responsible for your community, not just about the cattle. Now, when they go to Moshe and they say to Moshe and the others, please don't force us to cross the Jordan. In verse number five, And Moshe's response is actually very striking. His first response is on the level of, we would say, The responsibility we have to our fellow person, to our fellow human being. Moshe asks the rhetorical question, and rhetorical questions are typically hostile statements. Do you think your brethren should go and fight and you're going to stay here? The point being that the land that you want to take for yourselves was land conquered by the entire nation together. Everybody fought for that land. So it seems rather unfair how we immoral, I would add. Why should someone else fight when, you have, when I have an equal responsibility? That makes no sense from any ethical or moral standpoint. That's the first thing Moshe says. And then Moshe added something very important for our purposes. We're right now towards the end of the book of Bamidbar, and Moshe says, in chapter 32, Moshe says, Now the word L'hani does not appear many times in the Torah, but it appeared in the book of Numbers, the book of Bamidbar. The word "u'hani" uh, appeared in chapter 30 several times when it speaks about a woman that took a vow and the father or the husband prevents her from fulfilling the vow. Im yani ota. The father was meini, prevented her, restrained her. That's the same word. And the husband as well. Im If on the day that the husband hears it, Yoni, he restrains her. If on that day, then the vow is canceled. If he doesn't restrain on that day, it's not canceled. So the verb Luhani is used in conjunction with vows. And I would say vows or oaths. Statements that are taken, that are made, which are related to obligations to God. So Moshe says, Why would you restrain the people from possessing the land? And Moshe says, this is what your ancestors did when I sent them from Kadesh Barnea to see the land. He's referring to the episode of the scouts, the Maragwim as we call them. They came back and they gave their report and in verse 9 of chapter 32, They restrained or they cancelled the will of the children of Israel to possess the land that God had given them. And Moshe continues, God got very angry at that time, and God took an oath. What was God's oath? That the people that left Egypt will not possess the land. That generation will not possess the land. In fact, we would say, undoing, undoing a prior oath. The verse continues in verse 11. They're not going to see the land, the land that I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So God says, I took an oath, but now these people are preventing me from fulfilling that oath, so I take a counter oath. You see the degree to which the Neder and the Shfuah is central to this particular book, to the book of Ba'amidbar. So Moshe says, you're doing the same thing. You are through your refusal to cross to the other side. You are rejecting the land. No different than the episode of the Scouts. No different than the Meragwim. This, in fact, is Meragwim 2. We already had Ego 2 in chapter 25. In the previous chapter, we had the culmination of Ego 2, the story of the Midianites and the Moabites in Baal Pa'ar. And the gold is now dedicated to the to the temple, parallel to the golden calf episode. And now we have what we probably expected, the sin of the second generation, the scout episode of the second generation. So what's the difference between the scout episode of the first generation and the second generation? The difference typically is not the era itself. Of course, in the first scout episode, Ten scouts say we can't go, and two scouts say we can go. And in this story, two tribes are saying we're not going to cross over. but The other ten presumably are willing to cross over. So the numbers are reversed, but it's more than that. What this chapter is about is what happens afterwards. How the tribe of Reuben, the tribe of God, and Moshe are able to negotiate an arrangement which satisfied both the perceived needs of Of the Reubenites and the Gadites, namely to possess a land that's appropriate for them, which is the other side of the Jordan, and that has a value for the children of Israel. That's important because it's additional land and it's land that protects us because it's barrier for the first wave of attack, and that's completely okay, provided that everybody understands their responsibilities. to the credit of all the parties in chapter 32, that the two tribes are able, together with Moshe, to work out an agreement where, yes, they will possess land, but only on the condition that they fight with the others. And perhaps not just fight with the others, but perhaps take a leading role in the fight that all the other tribes will have to possess the land that was promised. So here we have an example as Moshe presents it. This is the story of the Meraglim, says Moshe. You are the Meraglim. And then the Reuben and God come back to Moshe and say, let's work it out. And Moshe is able, with a complicated negotiation, and others get involved to work out an agreement that seems to work for all parties.